Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And joining us is the wonderful writer who is poised to open his milk for his tea. Shh, I'm concentrating. <laughs> it is Toby Davis. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on our podcast. Thank Possibly, you, hopefully, uh, hopefully, podcasts as we're going to talk to you um, about your career and also a very exciting movie. I'm always in awe of anyone who actually gets their name on a movie, mm. having had some legitimate involvement with it, and then it gets made, and I can yeah. actually watch it. I know, it's extraordinary, <laughs> isn't it? it is, Who'd yeah. have thought? Yeah. And the name stays goals. on the movie as well, that's the other thing. Yes, yeah. yes. We'll so come to that. We'll, we will come to that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so Toby, you have uh, written tons and tons of uh, exciting, uh, brilliant comedy for... Uh, for grown-ups and for children, which would also be of interest uh, to our listeners. Mm. So you've written episodes of Yonderland, and uh, you have written for Psycho Bitches and Cracker Nori, mm. and you've done a ton of radio as well. There was a kids' sketch show called Sorry I've Got No Head. Yes. Which, um, a bit as well. And uh, that Mitchell and Webb look, and a show called Pixel Face. Yeah. Um, which was a relatively long-running 26 because, episodes. Because you made 26 in one go. <laughs> I don't know what I can possibly comment. <laughs> yes, that's right. I don't know if, you've, uh, if you're still recovering from that. That sounds like quite a big... Um, but it'd be worth sort of saying, how, um, how did you get into this writing game? At what point were you thinking, oh, I think I'll be a writer? I always knew I wanted to do it. Right. I always knew I wanted to do it. I think from watching Blackadder and, uh, and then you know, deep into, into back, back catalogues of Python, everything like that, right. I, knew, I knew I wanted to do it. I absolutely knew I wanted to do it. Weirdly, Ripping Yarns was a big one that right. made me feel like you could do all this kind of stuff. You know, you could, yeah. uh, which of course it turns out you can't. <laughs> yes. But um, but so I think so. I was um, so I started writing um, when I was about like properly. I guess around fourteen or fifteen. Okay. And school let me put on full length plays. They let me put on their school plays, which right. was great. So I used to do Famous Five. Okay. Stuff like that. Right. So and that was so it was really so you got it in front of an audience. Yeah. Uh, you know, early on. So I always knew I wanted to do it. Yeah. I thought I wanted to do serious plays as well. And I right. did, I, so I studied th- uh, theatre at uh, university. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, and I got into, you know, you realise everyone's actually doing quite serious political right. plays. Right. And I turned yeah. out I really wanted to, you know, have a lot more falling over. Right. In my, yes. And then I just started writing. I don't know, does Brecht have a lot of knob gags and fart jokes? I mean, they, they do if I'm involved. But okay, yes, oh, that's right. Shakespeare's full of it. Well, Shakespeare is, yes. As such, I'm, I'm actually doing, I'm rehearsing a, a Gilbert Sullivan at the moment, and my oh. sole job is to put knob gags in. <laughs> that's where I've come <laughs> from at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be at the Coliseum. Well, the, that is gags. time well spent, but yeah. um, adding um, knob gags yeah. <laughs> to, to, to Gilbert Sullivan. Work. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But, um, I've always thought that's what it lacks more than yeah, anything yeah. else. Well, it yes. turns out, you know, I can sprinkle someone. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so you serious theatre, but you were sort of veering in a different direction. Yes, and I wrote lots of plays, in fact. And but, I, but what I was always doing was trying to write sitcoms. And then when people ask you how you get into it, and my my answer to them is is that boring. I wrote scripts and sent them to people yeah. from Contact at the time. Yeah, there's a Contact was a you know to, to a book version of the internet. Yeah, yeah. 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 you had addresses of producers and you sent your scripts off, and eventually I got a bite. Actually, it was to be fair, it was the first one I sent out a big. A big, you know, for me, like photographing thirty scripts felt like a huge, yeah. epic thing. Yeah, yeah, which it stapling yeah. into envelopes, and I got a bite straight away from Celador. Okay, and then who aren't in existence anymore? I think. Um, they're, yes, they're probably 
They were who wants to be the They're probably now a tax haven um, yeah. shell company that own <laughs> yeah. three other production companies that we've actually heard of. They were sort of basically Jasper Carrot. Jasper Carrot, yeah. yeah. He invested in, in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yeah, yeah. and they yeah. made. But Humphrey Barclay was there. Yeah. Who was a name I'd seen mm. on okay. lots of credits. Like Desmond's, yeah. for example. <laughs> yeah. That was a Humphrey Barclay Productions, yeah. I think, Doctors, as well. Doctors, I think, yeah. all the. Doc, not the, not the BBC one now, but the Doctor in the House and all that. Oh, they Yeah. And I think he was involved in Footlights. Yes, I think well. He, I believe, is still alive, and yes, we should get him on this podcast, shouldn't we? Should. we? Should. He certainly yes. is. Yeah, That's yeah. A res- okay, you heard it here first, listeners. <laughs> 2018, okay. we're going to deliver Humphrey Barclay. Yeah. It's interesting, also, I, I, I just pick you up on the, uh, the, the you watched Blackadder and Ripping Yarns and knew you wanted to be uh, a writer. That's quite, quite an interesting thought, because, I mean, I've watched, you know, I watched sort of Tommy Cooper and Steptoe and all that, and I thought, oh, I want to be a comedian. And it took a while for me to think, oh, I want that to, to understand that, that, that writing was involved in that process. So you went, you were first, mm. you thought, oh, writing. I mean, I may be misremembering for the sake of a story, but okay. I think, but I think, no, I was very, because they feel very written, those shows. Mm. Also, yeah. Because also, remember, this was before there were endless repeats and before um, you could watch stuff. So what you used to buy were the script books. So I was very right. well remembering. That's, true, that's yeah. what I had. I had those, those yeah. two. Uh, comedy Did fans you? will have those blue and yellow hardback Python script books, okay, I'm sure, and yeah. the ripping, in, ripping yarn script book, and the um, mm. Fry and Laurie paperbacks. I had, so. Oh, the Fry and Laurie ones are yeah. for me. But also, did you not used to? audio record stuff off the oh, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, the Mrs. Richards episodes of Faulty Towers, right. I can do verbatim <laughs> because I audio taped it yeah, off the television. The record and play yes, tape recorders. Yeah, and my sister's yeah. in it at some point, <laughs> telling her to yeah. shut up or something. Yes. Um, we, didn't have a, we didn't have a video cassette recorder in our yeah. house for years. Yeah. So. And actually, the, one of the first, and that's the reason I know Victoria Wood as uh, an audience with Victoria Wood, the really famous, amazing one. Mm. Um, I've now memorised that because that's one of the first things we taped right. on a VHS tape on our Panasonic <laughs> yeah. video recorder. And right. so I watched that many, many, many. You put the sticker on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Take the tab out even. Yeah, exactly. Take the tab out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. So yes, I think, I think that might be why I thought of them as, as right. Though, of course, I wanted to be in stuff. I think I wanted to be, mm. you know, Hugh Laurie, I think. But mm. Um, mm. Who but, wouldn't? Yeah, and I think, um, and I would still perform I think you just mm. you just you know I think I sort of nailed my colours to a master of mm. writer and just you know it's, it's where it is I wonder yeah. if it's for me the other I only realised this I think last year one of the reasons that I'm a writer is because I grew up loving comedy and I always wanted to know how it worked mm. and if you want to know how comedy works you do sort of need to write I think I think yeah. you can discover it on stage if you're a stand-up comedian and you find your own way as it were I think that's writing though in but its own yeah. way I think that you yeah. know, that is the writing yeah I think you're right I think you you work out how gags work I yeah. think radio is a very good one for that I think yeah. isn't it for learning how yeah. to hit you know cause you, because it's it's, it has, it's, a be, it's it's quite a pure live experience isn't yeah. it radio I think yeah. like in the radio theatre and you do a gag and you suddenly hear it kind of yeah. going and you know and you can hear jokes die <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you yes it's a horrible feeling mm-hmm. when yeah. you're in the room and then suddenly they, they do huge successes I had a one that I loved um, a few years ago, uh, the cash register sketch I did for Mitchell Webster, which I wrote about someone trying to buy uh, <laughs> yeah. a cash register yeah. in a shop that sold cash registers. And it yeah. was, it's yeah. a sound effect sketch, yeah. you can tell, yeah. But, yeah. but the laughs, when people sort of yeah. got what the joke was going to be and how many times they were going to hear. Did you, uh, can I just mention, by the way, when we interviewed John Lloyd, he, yeah. he mentioned the cash register sketch. So now oh, he you, loves it. Yeah. If, you go to the, um, if you go to the John Lloyd podcast on yeah. the sitcom gigs, the cash register sketch is, uh, is there. Yeah. So, uh, and the, find it on a grandfather side. of comedy, a guru 
Yeah. Comedy yeah. has picked up. That's a real buzz, though, isn't it? Like, no, it was. Go. And it was one of those ones where the, the room was just really... Yeah. This really went with it. And you kind of go, oh, it's so lovely to hear it. Yeah. Because, yeah. of course, you've written that kind of sketch. You write in yeah. five minutes. Yeah. You've got the idea. Yeah. And you go, well, you know... This. Yeah, yeah this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sound effects. And then Sorry, this would happen. And then did this. you actually write that sketch? Or? Yes, I wrote you that did? sketch. Oh, yeah. And that was Sorry, it. I missed in the oh. excitement of thinking of, oh, yes. No, that was, a, that, oh, that was one so of those ones where you go, yes. It was, oh, um, yeah. Brilliant. Well, you go, then, you could all. How, how did you come up with that one? Been in my notebook for years. Oh, okay. You didn't, you didn't see a shop in Wimbledon near where I used to live which actually sold cash registers. <laughs> no, I did. I did used to write in my first sort of sketch show when I didn't know how sketch shows were. So I wrote a sketch show start to finish. Right. Half hour. Thing. Yeah, there was a shop that sold nothing but eggs. Okay, <laughs> and I used to see they used to pass a shop that only sold. I think eggs. I I think I wrote a sketch about a bookshop that only sold one book, <laughs> and I think that this was like it hadn't quite occurred to them that they'd need to you know if you didn't want that book yeah. there are other, you know you'd have to go to a different shop that sells right. the book you want. But I think it's classic, isn't it? I think it's part of you know watching comedy you grow up. You know that a sketch can often begin with a <laughs> with a shop door. Yeah. yeah. Ting. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. yeah. Ding, ding, ding. yeah. Can I help you? Yes. Yeah. A shop that only sells bells. Yes. <laughs> well, we did. That was the follow up we did to Cash Register. Oh, right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. The doorbell shop. Yeah. Right. yeah. And so. Yeah. As you were kind of making your way, so what, what happened when Celador um, plucked your script off their pile then, and expressed an interest? Um, they then said they would get me an agent, oh. which they did, and that was really handy. So it was all quite quick. So they then got me uh, uh, an agent um, at Nolgay. Okay. Um, who are proper. Who are proper, and mm. that was very nice. So I didn't know really about how agents work, but we mm. went and I got uh, an agent. Um, Claire King, who's lovely, she's no longer an agent. She now teaches yoga. Oh, much more calming. Right, and um, yeah, that's kind of the opposite of being an agent, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it is, really. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, that particular sitcom, I think, actually not with Celador, but with uh, Positive. Yeah. Time, Jeff Positive, and he went to a table read at the BBC when they were, when they were doing those instead of pilots. Remember those okay. when they sort of did these kind of semi-rehearsed, fully cast yeah. read-throughs, and then I thought, well. It's all golden. Here yeah. it goes. Yeah. And it didn't get made. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. But it was uh, what Chris, is Chris O'Dowd, Phil Davis, Mira Sile. Yeah, why would you want them in yeah, your yeah, sitcom? Yeah. Com- <laughs> comedy kryptonite. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's... Uh, that's and yeah, and, you, and you, you sort of wonder what, what would have happened, how, how things could have been different if they'd pushed the button on it. Yeah, For don't, my ex- don't let me do it. Well, there you go. I mean, because that, that chimes... You've got to be careful what you wish for, because I do yeah. remember... The, I did a radio sitcom called Think the Unthinkable, and we offered it to television and in the end it was deemed that we should offer it to BBC One and I'm just sort of looking back now and just thinking I wasn't ready if they'd said yes right you've got to write six they're going to be on TV and every TV critic will be lying in wait for your show ready to dance on the grave of you and your family Um, it is a terrifying thing yeah Yeah. so I just think I didn't quite have the the skills possibly or at least the robustness or the writing partner Mm. which is what I also have now (laughs) Yeah. To get me through that. Well, we'd written three by this point. So, I'd have been so who's we? So this one I was working with my uh, writing partner, who's my oldest friend, yeah. school friend, uh, uh, Chris Pell, who, uh, um, you know, we were best man at each other's weddings and right. all that, but, but um, the freelance life is not for Chris. Right. Okay. And so, uh, so we sort of eventually had, you know, I didn't want to be doing it on weekends and evenings anymore. Yeah. And Chris really wasn't prepared to join. He, you know, it's a sort of well-paid job at a bank. Mm-hmm. In fact, yeah. He does media stuff at the bank, but, you know, it's... No, it, it's wasn't going to be the life for him. Yeah, I think yeah. so. You know, sadly, but I miss it though. Yeah, I really miss having a writing partner because some of those 
days, uh, the funniest days in the world, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really making each other laugh. And, you know, and also, they just get you through the rotten days. Yes. And the rejection days where yeah. you can basically yeah. together go, duh, uh, what do they know? Yeah. Idiots. Yeah. On balance, I mean, you do still write with, occasionally with a. Uh, with other partners absolutely yeah. Um, yeah. yes I'm sort of uh, Justin Edwards and I are thinking about doing something at the moment and I yeah. sort of do yeah and lots of things but sometimes it's remote partners so mm, it's sort of yeah. so you sort of you know go to and from I'm doing a thing with Patrick Keelty at the moment but it's sort of he's doing a bit and then I'm doing a bit is this just a ruse to meet his wife <laughs> no <laughs> okay it would, for me it would be I think though, I think they have moved just moved back to the country so maybe, oh, maybe okay. it's on the car he's married to Cat yeah. Dealey Oh right, it's okay. an astonishingly right. beautiful woman, right, okay. um, and you can tell him. Yes, it's like, yeah. um, sounds like two names that are anagrams or spoonerisms. <laughs> Patrick Hilton and Cat Teeley. Yeah, yes, they do. That sounds yeah. like if you if you anagram them together, yeah. you'd get something quite quite <laughs> astonishing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so you went from so you had sort of three sitcoms with your writing partner. Yes, before. We did. Yeah, Hoods, which I always love, which right. is about um, uh, a group of... Uh, I mean, these haven't gone yet. You know, I may well resell these. Yeah. It was about um, uh, a group of sort of middle-class um, kind of teachers and, and salesmen and stuff who decide to rob the rich to give to the poor. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. In uh, a sort of modern-day... But the, the sort of the, 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 so the, the twist on it was that people, they'd gained very good press, and so people right. quite enjoyed being robbed by them. So okay. So, so yeah. it was sort of... They, it didn't, they lost the cachet they yeah. kind of wanted because they were... You know, yeah, they yeah. were sort of welcomed in because, it, mm, you right. know, yeah. so they... Um, Sounds like I could be a movie. Yes, it could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it could do. Lots of, things, lots of things. Lots of things that I yeah. actually um, did with Chris um, turned out to be would be better as movies. There was, yeah. uh, the, In fact, the first movie script I wrote was a sitcom that Chris and I wrote called The Chosen that everyone right. said, this feels too much like a movie and then I did eventually sell it as a movie. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting, isn't it? Because I think it sounds like you, you, you've always wanted to write a sitcom and you started out writing it and I've always sort of said to young patronisingly sitcom writers stop doing it stop doing it right the best the best well apart from that obviously um, the best advice you know is be older because I think situation comedy requires a certain amount of experience of life not least to be able to see things from different perspectives whereas when you're in your 20s especially if you're an overeducated male uh, which without wishing to crudely generalise, totally. <laughs> um, but actually, it feels like when you're young, you tend to have ideas. Yes. And as you get older, you tend to understand characters a bit more. Yeah. And therefore, you churn out sketches in your 20s. And, and actually, sketches could become movies in a way that sitcoms don't make poor, make poor movies because mm. you're trying to give an ending to something which is not meant to ever end. Which, yes, you know, the last that. episode of every sitcom is almost always a disaster <laughs> um, or chronic disappointment. Yes, no, I think that's right. And I think uh, you're, sometimes you're aiming towards a set piece in a, in a mm. sitcom when you're younger. You've got this idea, this, this yeah. funny thing. I remember in, in one sitcom where it was set in a cafe and I really wanted to put this joke in of him setting up a sushi bar on a scale electric and I kept <laughs> I just, a lot of it was just yeah, yeah. How, how do we get there yeah. and what do we do afterwards <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but that was going to be brilliant yeah but um yeah, yes I think that's right and actually uh, um, the stuff I've written recently in the last or six months actually has been has been quite a lot of quite reflective actually yeah I think uh, and very much about character and looking yeah looking for laughs and, and, and tenderness as well I think with yeah. Yeah. characters and not just you know not being prepared to mortgage a character for a joke yeah which before I would have you know happily 
you know, chunder the head. Chunder? Yeah. Chunder the head for I a, like chunder the head for, yeah. for a punchline that you think this is good. Yeah. And if it, you know, you, you're much more to go, you know, jokes are going to come and go, but if, this, mm. if the character works. Yeah. Well, yeah. interestingly, um, we recently interviewed Graham Linehan, and uh, I realised that we kind of let, let a comment pass um, uncommented on, which was he, he sort of threw away, threw into his uh, the interview with us. He said, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing the surreal anymore. I'm, I'm doing real character. I want, I want, to, you know, I want mm. you to cry as well as laugh. And yeah. like, oh, blimey, you know, that's... Uh, for someone, you know, Graham spent 20 years doing the, the crazy surreal stuff. Yeah. And yeah, you, it does it always, you always want to come back to the characters, really. Yeah, yeah the, last, the last thing I've written, which is a, um, I sort of wrote a script on spec, is very, I'd say quite, the second half is quite emotion mm. heavy, still funny, I think, but, mm. it, but still, mm. but it is definitely more crying. But I think maybe that's, maybe that's where TV is going a bit. Yeah. Although sometimes. I wonder if, I mean, the great sitcoms that we look back on, we really do feel that we, we really live with them. So yes. mm. Fools and Horses is the ultimate example of that family that we just root for and um, yeah. we struggle with them. And, and odd enough, that, that is comes from that time when things are given more of a chance, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Thing. Whereas, you know, like on this, this one, you, tr- you sort of want to, your aim is to try and put, you know, three series worth of yeah. character development yeah. in one episode to try yeah. and get people to kind of join because you're terrified you never get a series yeah. absolutely series two. Yeah. so yeah. you've got to get there got to get there early yeah so it would have been interesting I mean for uh, to watch uh, for, for something like Only Fools and Horses to, to you put episode one of series one next to episode nine of series 17 or whatever mm. however far yeah. however many the series there were and if, if, if you look that's the exact journey that that show takes it starts off young and brash and loud and, mm. yeah. and quite yeah, quite quite dark as well yeah. sort of crime is quite a heavy part yes of he's a borderline criminal yeah, 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 yeah. Much and it harder, becomes yeah. you know beca- as we get familiar with the with the characters and as he becomes a, a more accomplished writer yeah. from having written it all they and he his writing develops, mm. that the characters develop, and we, you know, we. I think Delbo becomes more of a fool, doesn't he, as well? You know, yes, he becomes less self-aware, and you know, when he's trying to be a yuppie and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But actually, at that point, he is very much embodying the spirit of the age. Yeah. He is a real vessel for yeah. you know for Thatcherism and then yes, sort of post-Thatcherism yeah, yeah. and um, all that kind of stuff. So. Um, so at some point you took a um, a turn into uh, Kiss TV. Um, yes. So and this this Pixel Face show, which we've referred to, <laughs> uh, the, made in a in a in a chunk of twenty six. Which well, I'm the that was okay. So the, the journey is that I um, was doing Mitchell Webblock, and mm-hmm. then a producer at So TV uh, called me in with other people, Ed Weeks. America's Ed Weeks. America's Ed Weeks. Uh, yeah. Amongst other people to go and... Because uh, they wanted to develop a live sketch show, a live Saturday morning sketch show. It had been a while since there had been a live Saturday mm-hmm. t- morning mm. show at that point, and that's what it was. It would be like a 90-minute... I was, either Badil was doing stuff as well, mm. I think, on it. And we wrote these sketches, and it went, you know, many different ways. And then eventually we, we made a 15-minute taster of, of just a sketch show called... Uh, it's called Sketchy at the time. Mm. Eventually called Sorry I've Got No Head. But... But Jeremy then got me to sort of ask the other writers who were doing those kind of shows. Like mm. He wanted the kind of the grown-up writers mm. to come and write, you know, just a yeah. just a sketch show without knob gags. I think yeah. was the thing. So we did that, um, and it, that was loads. Of and fun. some very subtle knob gags. Very yeah. subtle. Knob yes, gags. that's right. Yeah. And yes. John, there's some loads of sarcastic jokes in there about what we weren't allowed to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't allowed to use any imperial measurements 
in it. There's one sketch in there where Justin Edwards comes in and says, this box weighs a metric ton. (laughs) 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 That's great. um, But that was so much fun. That was so much fun to do. So we made, I think, nearly 40 episodes of Sorrow Got No Head. And Mm. one of the sketches was um, was the downtown, like the green room of a video game console. And that's what became Pixel Face. So it was the so it was a flat share yeah. of video game characters. So there was a like a link from Zelda. There was a Sonic character, which is Dave Armand. Right. The legal profession is Dave Armand. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, uh, I can't remember. There was like a Halo soldier. And it was it was fun. And yeah. it, was, it was a great premise. It was good. The, sig- yeah. the, the show is good. Yeah. You, you, you'll struggle to see it. Yeah. It no, came, I don't know how I'd get hold of it now if it, I wanted to. Um, but they were we were very uh, hard on those scripts. They are real. They are extremely Seinfeldy. Yeah, they are. They're very, um, you know, yeah, three, you know, yeah. A, B, and C plots all tied up. It's really fun. I mean, the, the discipline of making that many as well, in terms of because you're yes. doing them in a relatively short space. Two and a half days a show. You were two shooting them in two and a half days. Yeah, two and a half days a show, I think. Yeah. And how how many did you shoot in a block? God, I can't remember. Probably thirteen. I don't know. So they commissioned thirteen. You made those. You made two series. CBBC mm-hmm. quite often makes stuff in, in you and you've both worked a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. So it's in in yeah sets of thirteen normally and it's yeah so thirteen and thirteen. But I think there was maybe a week off in the middle, and uh, I think people were exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was you know sort of Twickenham Studios where we did Sorry Got No Head and. Um, in a really, it was one. It was a, the set was one of those sets that you could walk through. So it was all built yeah. sets. So you could go through corridors with automatic doors, you know, and all yeah. that. So it sort of felt a bit spaceship-like, which is quite fun. Which is what I imagine the Red Dwarf sets like. But I've never yes. seen it filmed. You, you hope so, anyway. Well, yes, <laughs> I do. Yes, yeah. uh, but um, but yeah, it was uh, tiring. And I wish we'd had we had the scripts were good though. But I think you couldn't always achieve it. I yeah, think, I mm-hmm. think obviously with that kind of thing, there were some. Um, quite a lot of special effects yeah. in it and I think they, we end up shooting the green screen stuff too quickly which then needs a load of post work to make it work and then suddenly you can't use it and a load of these cutaway gags suddenly drop out yeah you know but that's right. that's the speed that's shooting at speed I think. Yeah. yeah how long were the episodes then that's a full length yeah half an hour half yeah half yeah. so BBC half an hour so wow. 28 minutes yeah, yeah. so proper yeah. It's, yeah it's a show I would always be happy with and I yeah and, and I think actually uh, it's on in Australia quite a lot Okay. Right. Yeah, so ABC show. Well, there's enough there, of them yeah. to make it worth bundling up and selling. Yes, yeah, and, and Sorry Got No Head's on DVD in Australia, just not in this country. Right, don't right. Know, don't know yeah. why. It's bizarre, isn't it? I know, mm. it's odd. Yeah, yeah. But no, Pixel Face is, is a good one. I'll, if I can dig out some episodes, I'll, I'll send you some. Well, please yeah. do. Oh, it sounds, it sounds They great. were fun. They, we were, yeah, yeah, we were very strict on making it, like, yeah. Seinfeld was the model. But what, so what were you... What did you learn through that process in terms of what, what, were the, what was the stuff at the end you wish you'd known at the start? The stuff that you could at least change other than can we have more money and take longer? Mm-hmm. Um, I think on that one, no reliance on special effects, all reliance on, uh, on just the flat share stuff. Yeah. Because right. that's the stuff that's going to work. Mm-hmm. That stuff, and if you can take more time on that, if you can rehearse that stuff, yeah. then, you know, and don't worry about you know don't worry about it. you to realize actually in two and a half days you're not going to be able to do a good slapstick thing really you know you're not people aren't going to there's no fight director yeah there's no there's no you can't yes there is before. it's you, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. well precisely and, uh, and your days in theater yeah. coming flooding back <laughs> at that point so but that would have been quite uh, a hard sell though i would have thought uh, you've got these video characters and so uh, but there's not going to be any special effects in the script at, at that point when you were 
pitching. Well, I idea. mean, there's a difference between what you say when you're selling it and what you yeah. <laughs> what you're writing. When you're writing yeah. It. Yeah. I think you would, or you would just make it simpler. I think, and maybe have it always the same green screeny thing with this. I mean, it's, it's. I would love to. I'd love to have done more of that because the mm. characters were really funny. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and had a great cast: Will Andrews, Anna Crilly, Dave Armand. Mm. Um, Justin Edwards is this robot that just didn't work. Mm. I mean, the prop that is not. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gareth Tunley. Okay. So it's you know it's a lovely. Yeah, good guys. Cast, yeah. yeah, and then really fun um, cameos from people yeah. as well: Marcus Brigstock and Mel Gedroy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a, you know it's a fun, it's a fun show. Yeah. And weirdly, every, it's someone has gone through it with a fine tooth comb and put it all on TV tropes. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Which means some, it's, been, it's available somewhere. Oh right. <laughs> yes, that's right. I wonder how they wonder how they manage that. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so you did a fair amount of uh, kid stuff, but also you know doing other stuff and the stuff in between, like Yonderland as well, which must have been a Yonderland's loads of fun. I think that was, uh, I think that, yes, I think it was just it was quite a big undertaking for uh, for um, uh, uh, Larry Rickard and Ben Wilborn mm. and Simon Finley and uh, Jim, and I think just, it was uh, and Martha, and I think they didn't want didn't want to be writing all of them at that yeah. point. So I came on, but I think. I think it was actually I'd already written my first movie screenplay by that point, and right. they, I think, I think it, because it had got a movie-like feel to it, right. I think that was why I was sort of um, brought in. I loved it. It's a really lovely it's a show, show to work yeah. on. Um, yeah. yeah, it was really when fun. When did you start writing? For, was that in the first series? First or series, so yes, right. quite relatively early on. Yeah. I don't. I think a pilot was written, but that was yeah. but that was it. Um, and then we were we were so I was at, we were at work entitled, you know, putting mm. out stories. Mm-hmm. Um, putting stories together and um, yes I think the episode in series one I think was was my idea I think all of it and then series two it was an idea that they wanted to do but no one to write it right okay yeah. um, mm. uh, uh, but I think an idea of mine was then used by written by someone else in that one but yeah it yeah. was a really fun show to work on mm. um, the same thing applies that you suddenly realize all these jokes that you suddenly can't do even though uh, you know, sometimes when you when you feel you're writing for Sky and it feels prestige, and they go, they're gonna they're gonna say yes to everything. And yeah. Then, you know, and suddenly they no, well, suddenly they don't. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw Ben Wilborn very recently, and we had this similar conversation, um, where where budgets were not always what they had been led to believe, at least. Yes, I think we were definitely. It's a different story between writing draft one yeah. and the notes mm-hmm. I got on draft. Yeah. For for draft two, weren't yeah weren't mm. artistic largely. Yeah. They were. We can't, you know. Yeah. But in terms this of infinite ab- fountain. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. About the live donkey. Yeah. 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 But in terms of uh, that, for instance, the time uh, that you have, presumably compared to horrible histories where they're filming ten minutes a day or whatever, presumably it was a, it was a little more uh, yes, luxurious. Yes, more luxurious. I think, though. I mean, I don't know how luxurious the puppeteers would find it. There's a lot of yeah. <laughs> a lot of bad backs in. There. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think all that stuff takes longer, actually. The puppeteering. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wasn't on set for Yonderland, but um, but the um, but I think all that stuff takes longer, so it probably works out yeah. in the end um, to be sort of the same because you know it's a very technical show yeah. that one, and of mm. course, and I think largely there's a lot of backgrounds to be filled in. But mm. there's you know, and the, but I think they ended up being there were fewer sets, and I think they they mm. wanted in the end. So I think the, you know, village used a lot, woodland used a lot. I think and lots of yeah. so yeah. So I think mm. not a, it wasn't quite as many new builds per episode you know it's yeah. a little bit more precincty than yeah. I thought it would be yes I think that wasn't the intent, intention originally no I think it? it was supposed to supposed to I mean it does look actually I think but I think it was the, it's, it's the scope of Labyrinth was that yes. thing. so every every episode a new adventure yeah. something new to see which is yeah, the yeah. I think was sort of the the, the feeling and, the, okay. and that fun juxtaposition with um, her home life yeah which is actually something that I think uh, the channel really wanted to see a bit more of 
series two, and I was thinking, no, do they, do they no, want to see that? Or not really. What, the, less, they, the less funny <laughs> bits, yeah. <laughs> or do they want to see uh, yeah. Yeah, the funny creatures? Yeah, yeah. yeah no. But it, it still ended up with a very movie-like feel to it, I think. I think, you know, people... Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it was people, great. You know, people who, parents who are willing their children to enjoy Labyrinth could at least yeah. put them in front of, <laughs> in front of that. Um, I'm conscious that listeners of this uh, show might be thinking, well, this Toby Davis seems like a very nice and well-adjusted and successful writer. Um, <laughs> where's, where's the pain and the dysfunction? Oh, there's so much pain. Um, there's so much. I remember one of the, the, uh, a big deal for me was a sitcom years ago called um, Clone. Producer of The Office, yeah. writer of Friends. I was there. We got on so well. Mark oh. Gatiss was in it. Uh, Jonathan Price Jonathan was Price in was in it. Yeah. Uh, we did a room, and there were, I was in a room with writers of Sex and the City and, uh, and uh, The West Wing and Malcolm in the Middle and people who went on to do community, and my God, it stunk. <laughs> Even in the room it stunk? No, or no, not in the room, not in the room. Um, it should have been a single camera right. show, I think, and it was very much insisted it was going to be a, a, a multi-camera yeah. right. show, and it just, and it was a sci-fi sitcom, and I think it should have been a single camera, kind of comedy drama, really, yeah. I think, mm. and it would have worked... Um, but I think, yeah, I, th- I think it's possibly the, the possibly the multi-camera thing, you know, did for it a bit. But who can who can say? Yeah. But, it's, but it absolutely. Mm. At what point? At what point did you sort of think? Because obviously on paper you start to think, well, oh, this is looking great. But there was a point at which you just thought. Um, I mean, I remember seeing the first one and just thinking, oh, that's uh, that's not going to help the Jonathan Price do another sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because I think he's a tremendous actor. He obviously, tremendous he's a tremendous actor. actor. And you just yeah, thought, yeah. wouldn't it be great for him to do a, a one-foot-in-the-grave type show? Yeah. Well, absolutely. But after that experience, you probably won't particularly want to. No, but, I, I mean, it was it was on, I think, because actually the, the script, um, uh, everyone loved the script, I think, mm. and they read them. I think people really wanted to play Clone. He went to a lovely guy called Stu McLaughlin. Mm. Um, uh, and it was a big, uh, but I think you could see the writing on the wall uh, on the, the audience screening of episode one. Okay, was it not filmed live? Uh, no, sorry, yes, yes, yeah, sorry, not yeah. the audience. Yeah, the show, the live show, yeah, the live show, the live show. You know, which is a show with you know um, everything was supposed to be working right. So there were kind of you know it's supposed to be lifts and you know things where you palm print hand scanners and things all being prompt you know what I mean everything yeah. having to work so, so and it all of course didn't work and every time a hand scanner didn't work you'd have to stop reset oh. go again all in front of an audience who are you know who haven't seen scene one an hour into it yeah. and there were latex masks being pulled off Mission Impossible style which of course take forever to go on Right. and there was a I remember, I remember well that's real sort of production naivety yeah, isn't yeah, it yeah, I'm surprised how did that well I don't know I don't it know it seems um, odd that that's uh, uh, I don't know quite how that worked. I mean, the one thing, one naive moment I remember thinking, and I hope everyone will forgive me for this, yeah. there's a, there a point where the, the clone, it was, it was a, a, a clone soldier, comes out of the kind of a tube of pink goop, and that's where he's been grown, mm. and he comes out and he's like elf, essentially. That's, that was the thing. That mm. He's supposed to be a super soldier, and he comes out like elf. Mm. And he falls out of this tube of goop, and then uh, on this scene, he went and hugged Jonathan Price, who was his creator, who he thought yeah. of as his father, the James Caan in Elf, and hugs him. And of course, then Jonathan Price is then covered in pink goop, and there's only one suit. Right. So they then had to spend <laughs> in front of an audience about twenty minutes cleaning a suit, <laughs> drying it with a hairdryer, oh <laughs> so it could go again. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh my goodness! I mean, it's tact- the, 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 the 
just just working at the moment on something which 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 had a modicum of technology in there, and even the, even the modicum of technology now has 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 gone really, just because it's just so uh, it, it, there's, there's just so many ways that, mm. that these things can go wrong. Yeah, they? I think it's very hard. That was very hard. I mean, it's not to say the crew weren't kind of brilliant on it, but when yeah. you've got 15 things to do in a yeah. five minute scene. Yeah, you know, it's plate spinning. You, yeah. it's, it's. I mean, a regular, yeah. a sitcom without special effects. Yeah, a family sitcom around a sofa. You're, you're, you've, you've got nine plates spinning. Yes. To yeah. add yeah. latex, goo. Yeah. We know. Uh, later on, we didn't, we didn't film in front of an audience. Yeah. After that, we did it in the same sets, so right. it looked multi-camera, and then we, then we did it. So episodes yeah. two to six were. Um, filmed and then shown to an audience. Yeah. But for some reason, you know, it didn't work. Yeah. You know, and it's a shame because it had, you know, fun. Yeah. There. But, but I did get to spend lots of time mucking around with Mark Gatiss, and I was in it a bit as well. So right. I had scenes. I was his aide. Okay. So I had. So right. you know, you take these things away, and I'm. Yeah. You know, and I met lots of people who I'm still. Yeah. Very good friends yeah. with. Mm-hmm. All the right, American writers who came over during the writer strike. At that right. Time. So whenever that was. Oh, is that is that that's partly why, we had, why they that's were? That's why we had this posh room. Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, because they couldn't work in America. Yeah. yeah. What did you did you learn much from working with them in terms of approach or? Absolutely. What What were you sort of taking out from that? More professional, presumably. Mm. <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, I mean, Adam Chase is, it was great. Adam Chase, he wrote on and and you know exec produced or produced whatever that, that term is in American yeah. shows like series one to six of yeah. Friends. So he was yeah. there. You know, he was. I've he, seen the name Adam yeah, Chase yeah. a lot. Yes. In that exact. Font. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, he created Smelly Cat. Right. Yeah. So that's imp- so he Goodness would me. run a room, and it was really interesting. He'd have, you know, the whiteboard, and it was, you know, this is clearly a thing that he really knew how to do. So he would yeah. have a timeline set up, so he'd know where people were during the day, you know, and he'd say, you know, he'd instinctively know when you needed a night, when you wanted something to happen the following morning, yeah. and make sure that was sorted. So it was kind of great. And then he also remember him saying, uh, we were all sitting around this table, and I remember him saying, um, uh, when people sort of just saying ideas for the sake of it, saying, you know, it's all right to be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And go, yeah. Yeah, it is all right to be quiet, but it's... Yeah. Uh, and, and but he was v- really generous with laughter as well. Yeah. So, you know, if he came up with a joke that he liked, he would, you know, he would be full on... Yeah. Leaning back on the chair, yeah. thigh slapping. Yeah, after. and we had lots of things like that. And it was it yeah. was a shame, and I it was a real pet project for Adam as well. So it was, it was sad for him that yeah that this thing has slightly it, crumbled in his yeah, hands. Yeah, you know, and he was definitely sad that it didn't mm. go the way he wanted to go. I wonder if there's a there's a, a point at which sitcoms um, audience sitcom goes out of fashion, which is I suppose that Friends is the sort of peak the peak success point mm. is. Friends finishes and Seinfeld. Oh, Seinfeld's already come to yeah. an end, but uh, Frasier's still coming to it, an end. It's in its pomp, but and yeah, I love Frasier. Yeah, people are putting, people are still saying, "Oh, we're still making audience sitcoms." Oh, right, let's do a sci-fi. Let's do the sci-fi audience sitcom, mm. and, and and gradually, and and the budgets are starting to come down at this point. Yeah, and, yeah, and the BBC comedies three aren't budget. as big. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Is it some to some extent? I'm wondering if the if the lack of the if if the decline in audience sitcom has come because there was such that that particular golden period yeah. where they were the the four big sitcoms of the time: Seinfeld, Frasier, Simpsons, and Friends, and three of them were audience sitcoms. And whether yeah. that's you know no, no one's ever quite managed to to be as good as th- that period. But I also think that Adam would have done that because audience sitcom is what he knew. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think it would have struck him to do a single camera. Yeah. Uh, right. I think that would have struck him as, as drama. And I think, but right. you know, it, yeah, in a way, in a way, you are stuck with. I mean, when I, I wrote a play about um, science and religion, 
um, because that's something of particular interest to me. It basically sounds like a sitcom because that I don't know how to do it any other way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think that's partly that. Um, we're going to talk to you in the next podcast about your movies, but before we do that, um, uh, we have to acknowledge the fact that you have this preposterous thing in front of me that looks like a speaking spell that you write on. This, yeah, this is I was I was working on it uh, when James and Dave arrived. This is I was. It's I, a neo. As a neo alpha smart or alpha smart neo, oh, okay. and it looks like one step back from a Kindle. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, it also is. It looks like well, uh, one step up from a, a, a toy that my kids had yeah. about 12 years ago. Yeah. A well, toy, it's a toy. toy. Mm. But what, what, it, it's, what it is, is that, is that, uh, is that well, you can hear, let me see if you can hear how nice the keyboard is. It's no, a no, nice no. keyboard. Yeah. Um, it's a nice keyboard, and it, it, is, it has eight files. It'll store you know, thousands and thousands of pages, but it doesn't have any internet on it at all. Mm. And it, uh, it connects to the Mac very easily, and it also it runs for 700 hours on AA batteries and I bought it for $12 from off the internet so this is now what I write, write on right, okay. I write all my first drafts on here you can't edit on it because you can only see six lines on its calculator screen so you, you could edit if you wanted to <coughs> but you just practically you can't you could yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you could it, um, oddly it's spell check is better than the one on the computer right. wow I will spell check <laughs> on there because it's, it's very good at it um, but I found it very, very freeing things like train and cause I, you know I live out of London now so when I'm coming in I get that hour of mm pure typing time and you know without and I find that you can get so much done and I really I really like it it's just I think writers are always looking for that special pen yep. that special notebook <laughs> yeah that you know that, that little special thing. procrastination yeah. oh well, here's yeah. a new thing to look up but it's, yes it's a good yeah. procrastination removal yeah. yeah tool I think the alpha smart neo yeah, yeah, it is astonishing, and they stopped now making sponsoring them. Sitcom yeah, it's podcast, right. we it, hope. It, yeah. it's um, but then you say they stopped making them. I think they stopped making them in two thousand and four. Very much. Uh, hence the uh, hence the look that reminded me of the, yes. uh, the and also Tommy the, typewriter. The school, uh, the school sort of numbering systems. Now it was bought from a college in America somewhere. Right. But I recommend them for for people who don't want to have the internet. Yeah, mm. and the internet is a real distraction, yeah. isn't yeah. it? You don't need to research that thing. Research no. that thing later. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, yeah. Pen and paper actually is yep. well, is a similar. Uh, but it does thing. save it. You know, that's, yeah. that's the, you and know. that's why I bought an iPad Pro. Partly because I wanted one, but partly because the Apple Pencil meant that I could write notes and share them with my writing partner. But ultimately. You know, I still have the internet, and that's probably not a good thing. But anyway, um, Toby, thank you very much um, for geekering, uh, geekering um, for letting us see into your head. Um, and we will speak to you in the next podcast about movies. But for now, Toby Davis, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Toby Davis there, thank you very much to him. And before you go, just to remind you that we have John Finnemore as our special guest for our live show and meet up on the 21st of March at the Bill Murray in Angel. You can become a Patreon subscriber and come for free. So do that fast and do that now. Or you can book a ticket um, by going uh, to find one on our Patreon page. If you just Google Sitcom Geeks and Patreon, you'll find us. Do that as quick as you can because seats are limited to about 80. Hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. Speak to you next time. Thank you.